Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Music. This is Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And each episode we discuss a book about music, or a book written by a musician, or a book about music history, or sometimes even a fictional character in a, fic- in a fictional work that happens to be a musician. We cover everything that's music that's in a book. And today's episode, we are going to discuss the book called Under the Big Black Sun, A Personal History of L.A. Punk by John Doe with, John, with, me, with Tom DeSalvia and friends. <laughs> um, with a forward by Billy Joe Armstrong. Now, when I first saw this book, I thought it was a John Doe book. So is it a John Doe book? Well, <laughs> it's primarily a John Doe book, um, but there are actually about 15 different writers in the book. Um, pretty varied group of people from that era of the punk scene in L.A. from approximately, I think, 76, 77 to 81, This is exactly my era. Yeah. Because I'm a long-time citizen of Los Angeles. And I went to some of these shows, not all of them, but I, but I pretty much bought L.A. punk rock records as well as go to L.A. punk rock shows at L.A. punk rock clubs. And I was very much under the spell of L.A. punk rock. <laughs> yeah, this is just a tiny bit before my era. I sort of started seriously clubbing around 82-ish. But a lot of these bands were still playing. I mean, I saw X a ton, and I saw John Doe, and the Knitters, and the Blasters, and the Minutemen. So, I mean, I did see a lot of these people, and I still, you know, it was a lot of fun to read about uh, the stuff that was going on, because some of it was still around when I was there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think you have more firsthand experience with it than I did. Well, no, you actually have firsthand, but... I mean, I never went earlier. to The Mask. Did you go to The Mask? You know, I'll be That enough, was a short-lived club. No, I'd never been to The Mask. Ah, uh, okay. Um... I don't know why, I tell you the truth. Um, I know it's in Hollywood Boulevard near the Pussycat Theater, right. like the basement of the Pussycat yeah, Theater. Yeah, it's pretty prominent in the book. Everybody talks Everybody about talks it. Everybody talks about it, but I've never yeah. actually been there. I'm not sure why. Hmm. Um, well, I don't think it was around for very long. It kept getting no. closed, and so, but it's sort of infamous. I think going downstairs someplace and it has no windows, no air, <laughs> even then, in my young age of however old I was then, it didn't seem to be cushy. (laughs) I know. So I was thinking about it, you know, this group of musicians isn't really sort of what I think of you tending to listen to. I was actually kind of surprised when you said you wanted to read this book. You're not a big X fan. You're not a big John Doe fan. No, no. But you know, there are bands of that era that I am a fan of. Um, The Screamers, Mm. number one, I love the Screamers. Oh, Okay. And I would try to go see the Screamers whenever I can. Yeah. Um, I also like the Weirdos. In my mind, for some strange reasons, I think the Weirdos being the brother or sister, one of those sisters, the guys, so bro- uh-huh. a brother band of, of the Screamers. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe because they both are sort of, had a sort of a gay, well, especially the Screamers had a definitely a gay vibe, a sort of arty vibe, very theatrical. Yeah, that's And the right Weirdos were theater in a sense and um i think i don't know what to, i didn't study up on them i don't know where they're from yeah but i think they were from cal arts originally mm, okay uh, the weirdos and 
when you read about the weirdos and the screamers, I think you don't think about them as music as much. Say like X. Mm-hmm. X always had that music prominence, or right. people respect their songs. Uh, the screamers were more like sort of like a, a phenomenon or a spectacle performance, and yeah. sort of the weirdos. But oddly enough, you know, when I listen to the weirdos now and then, when they didn't make their few records, uh-huh. the weirdos are really kind of classic hard rock, punk rock, uh-huh. catchy rock. Uh-huh. Uh, guitar riffing band, you know, good yeah. songs. So, yeah. so they had, they're they're very solid songwriters. Yeah, screamers are just very uh, more experimental and more harsh and more in your face. It was basically two primitive keyboards of some sort, mm-hmm. and then the drummer, and then Tomato the Plante, mm-hmm. who was the lead singer, and he was extremely uh, this very theatrical and in, in, in your face type of performance yeah. x i i did see the original x um yeah i'm sure you and i probably went to see them together and i suspect i'm not sure about this you know it's one of those things where everybody says they were they, yeah. they saw this show yeah, and yeah. maybe you know i'm gonna say you know they saw the sex pistols at right. manchester i think i saw x when um the night that xine's twin sister died oh, in the at the because I did see him at the Whiskey Go-Go for sure. Yeah. And in my mind, I think it was that night. Uh, and I know there was like a, they played two nights, two sets that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a big night for them. I, I yeah. yeah. So if you saw them there, it's possible yeah, but that again, was the night you saw them. It's possible. But again, a listener may say... It's a blur. Listener, no, you were not there, Tosh. <laughs> but it was nobody a, can corroborate no, your story. No, nobody can corroborate. But I feel I was there at that, that, that performance. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, to the book. Yeah. I have a problem with the book. And it's it's something I don't fully understand why. <laughs> you know, generally I like oral history books. Stuff yeah. Like, right, like, uh, like Please Kill Me. Yeah. And I know there's one on Los Angeles, too, I think called We Are the Neutron Bomb. Or, oh, I'm not familiar with that Which book. is based on this weirdo song. They oh, took the title. Uh-huh. And then there's like a Darby Crash bio too which i for some reason i didn't read it i didn't read any of those books yeah. but i suspect that was an oral history book as well i may mm. be wrong uh-huh. but um under the book basically under the big black sun is a collection of essays right it's, a, it's an anthology it's not really um it's an anthology by the musicians or promoters who were in the la punk rock scene of like 1977, 1978. Mm-hmm. So this is what this book is. Mm-hmm. And I presume it's edited by John Doe and Tom DeSalvia. But, um, you know, Doe has a big credit on this book, yeah. as well as being on the cover. So it was, with, you know, with that scene. And um, that's totally okay, but um, I was expecting something more like an oral history for some reason, you know. Mm. And this is more about packaging the book, I think. Yeah. Because when I look at the book and what I read was different, what I perceive mm. would be different. Mm. Saying that, I think there's very fine essays in the book. Yeah. And I find it very accurate. From my experience, mm-hmm. um, I think they're all accurate. Nothing's not exaggerated right. or you right. know, off the mark to me. Right. Yeah, I I didn't really necessarily have a problem with it. Um, You know, I think there was, some of the writing was better than some of the other writing. I thought, um, you know, I really wanted to see a little bit more introspection in a lot of the writing. I thought people weren't, they were just sort of reporting events more than, you know, what was important to them about what they were doing in the scene. And I mean, there was a little bit of that, and then it depended on who was, who's, you know, some of the essays I thought were really good. 
Um, I liked the Henry Rollins one, even though I'm not uh-huh. necessarily a fan of his music. Um, I thought his essay was pretty well written. Um, and he really sort of examined, you know, the approaches that where people were coming from when, you know, what attracted them to the scene and what they expected to get out of it. And I think, I think the writers, the ones who write and Henry yeah. Rollins, definitely a prose writer. Yeah. And uh, the you know the, the few uh, music critics who wrote in this yeah. book, oh, I think they're all they were great in yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and Christie, who was the flesh eaters, yeah. but he's also to me he is he's a novelist yeah. as well as a very um, uh, a respected film historian. Did you right. know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I read his bio, I saw that. I thought that was interesting. Christie yeah. used to um, program films at the um, Cinematheque. Cinematheque. Yeah. At, to me, the height of Cinematheque's greatness because he used to. Um, do, or he co-curated, or curated, co-curated uh-huh. uh, these film programs at the Cinematheque, especially like the Japanese, weird Japanese films. Yeah, that's and he, right and up he, your alley. And he liked all the noir films, of course, yeah. but the Japanese films and the noir selections he did were very, very, really good, excellent work. Yeah, he's had an interesting history. I mean, besides being in The Flesh Eaters, he also worked at Slash Magazine. Yes. And so yeah, he's done a bunch of interesting things. And that's an, and that's an, the book is sort of nostalgic to me in a sense because I remember Slash Magazine. Quite, yeah, you know. yeah, I found the book to be very nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. it's very you know what people. Well, I think people are aware of it now, but or they always were aware of it. You know, the punk scene was very regional. Right. It was like before the internet, you know. So yeah. like, there's the L.A. sound. That's L.A. Yeah. punk. This book covers the L.A. aspect. Yeah. But of course, there's the New York punk. Mm-hmm. And then there's the San Francisco punk thing, mm-hmm. and then all the other cities have their own, you know, little yeah, punk London, thing. yeah. But but I feel, and I'm sure people will, could debate about this. Cause I know things were happening in Detroit and Michigan and right. you know, Chicago, but I always feel the 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 Los Angeles, New York, and probably San Francisco, at least publicity wise or public awareness, were the key punk locations at that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. well, I think um, one of the things that kept being discussed in the book that I thought was interesting is they were talking about what actually is punk rock, because the bands that are discussed in this book are really varied. I mean, you've got the Go-Go's, which in my mind are just pure pop. And then, you know, you've got things like TSOL, which is like hardcore, you know, thrashing music you know yeah. and it's and then everything in between rockabilly stuff like i was i was in hysterics when i read that los lobos opened for pil it was i saw like, that okay i was did there. you uh, did you go to that show i was at that show oh that's so funny it's I like i can't think show. of two different more different bands yeah public image was definitely trying to confront the audience every way possible yeah 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 oh, God. <laughs> every way possible but you're right i mean um um yeah, and Christy McKinnon, or sort of the last essay, or, or the second to last essay, yeah. she sort of covers the difference between the um, the Los Angeles bands. You know, but when the Go Go started, I mean, it's another thing. You know, a lot of these bands started; they were very yeah, evolved, they evolved, yeah. and they evolved quickly. You know, yeah. they like they just got into it. Yeah, and um, and you know, there is no specific sound in my opinion, that distinguished Los Angeles from San Francisco or New York. It's more the attitude. Yeah. I feel like New York is more, um, not academic, that's definitely not the word, but more studied, more... Yeah, it's more intellectual. Uh, that's probably not quite the right word either, but it's definitely... And, a, and, a, and aware of... LA's rock. more raw, and I think... And, a, and a very much aware, I think, of its music history. Yeah. I mean, even like the jazz stuff is, you know... Yeah. 
was there and of sorts. Yeah. And also, um, but also I think the big difference, and I'm sure there's, I'm wrong. I'm just, somebody's going to point a band on, you know, <laughs> for this theory. But I feel that Los Angeles was very, became roots oriented after a while. Mm-hmm. This uh, X sort of led to that way, to the to like the right. knitters, of well, course. Well, they always had an undercurrent of rockabilly right. to their sound. And the knitters were... Basically, very rockabilly basically country. Basically, yeah. X without Billy Zoom and but it had the drummer. Yeah, I think it was X-E everybody except Billy Zoom and, yeah. uh, and Dave Album right from the Blasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And made somebody else. Else, and yeah. they were a kind of rootsy folk. Yeah, thing. yeah, they were very rootsy. And country. then there was the Blasters, which yeah. were basically when they first started like a rockabilly band yeah. and on a rockabilly label. And then there's um, um, I'm trying to think who else. And then uh, and even like the band like the Dills. Mm-hmm. The two brothers, I think the Kinman brothers. I might get this wrong. Mm, I'm not familiar with them. Chip and somebody else. Sorry, forgive me for forgetting the names. Mm-hmm. But the Dills were sort of like a clash political mm-hmm. band at Los Angeles. Or mm-hmm. But they turned into this group called Rank and File, mm-hmm. which is like one of the, one of the early you know cow punk bands. Yeah. And then Blood on the Saddle. And right. then there's this whole yeah. This is more my era. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like in that era, Los Angeles became very country oriented or very yeah. roots oriented but new york became like more no wave you know what i mean like yeah. kind of contortions yeah teenage jesus dna you know art Lindsay, more yeah. noise yeah, more yeah, abrasive yeah. stuff yeah well i think also um you know i liked um henry wallens had a good quote in it that he talked about the hollywood influence here in the la scene and he talked about how good looking everybody was and, and he says many of them seemed as ready for their close-up as they were to go to the next show <laughs> so you know it's it, it was um you know everybody dressed very glamorous but it was sort of you know a ripped up glamorous you know that uh, if you look at the public very loose you know yeah. and if you, if you look at the publications of the time, like there was, in New York, there was a New York rocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco had Search and Destroy. Mm-hmm. And then we had Slash Magazine. Yeah. And Slash Magazine was definitely more visual than the other cities. Yeah. It definitely had a graphic art, not art art, but graphic art sense. Definitely, yeah. You know, and then, of course, the famous logo, you know, the Screamer's Head by... Um, why do I bring up names? I can't Screamers. Remember. I don't know who did their logo. Very famous. I'm gonna write this in my. I'll write it down. I actually know him. <laughs> Sorry, but um, was it a Gary Panther logo? Yes, Gary okay. Panther. Thank okay. you. Thank <laughs> and he did the slash, the logo, logo on the too, magazine right. too. Yeah. So yeah. these are like really iconic. Um, um, like, I'm sure. Every, I'm sure from now to to the 23rd century. Graphic future graphic artists will always comment on his work. Yeah, to me they're that prominent work. Oh yeah, I mean I think the graphics for this scene were really a critical part of the scene, and I mean that's my day job. I'm a graphic designer, Mm -hmm. and um, you know they even talk about it quite a bit in the book. Like the black flag logo is so iconic. I mean everybody knows that logo, even if they're not into the band or they just don't they're not into punk or anything everybody has seen and knows that logo yes. immediately it's the logo and the same with the screamers logo it has actually outlived its mm-hmm. actual original source yeah, yeah. Become something else yeah so the visuals especially i think in the la scene were extremely important and the photography you know they had there were several very prominent photographers in the scene mm-hmm. and um it's funny the other night i i rewatched um the Decline of Western Civilization. Ah, that's a good movie. Yeah, I remember Pen- Penelope Spears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't seen it, I don't think, since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I watched it with her, her commentary that I, I'm oh, assuming uh-huh. she did somewhat recently because it's with her adult daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting to hear her talk about the scene back then and, uh, you know, all the photographers and, um, you know, all the things that were going on at the time. So It was definitely studied and thought out in a certain degree, but, yeah. you know, specifically by the graphic artists, photographers. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they did capture the scene, but they're... They're not. They were not like snapshots. I mean, they definitely had. Oh, a, they're very artistic. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Artistic and articulate in what yeah, they're doing. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the, and the book has a ton of photos in it, which is nice. And the book also has a lot of reproductions of the flyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the flyer culture also was super Xerox big part of the fly, scene. Yeah. You know, the just the design of all the flyers, even though they were obviously you know DIY and. Um, you know, homemade and mm-hmm. just Xeroxed, like you say, but uh, there was a lot of thought put into them. It was a big part of the scene as well. So, yeah, definitely the visuals were really important. And um, I think, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, what is punk and, and we sort of got into the visuals, but I also wanted to put this uh, quote out that Christie wrote that I thought was pretty mm-hmm. good as to what he says punk rock is. So he says, to me, it is doing your music art or writing exactly as prescribed by what feels right inside of you. Because it was, and still is to some extent, tied to youth or youthful feelings, many of the sentiments expressed are by way of channeling all sorts of unfocused anger through a prism, defiance of authority and the status quo. And to paraphrase Joe Strummer, it is not accepting bullshit for an answer, it is about truth. So I think, you know, that's how they kind of encompass all those really, really different sounds that were coming out of that era's was more about the attitude and um, you know what they were trying to accomplish rather than a very specific sound yeah for me it's all about sound oddly enough yeah my my attraction to the punk movement was actually not the anger part of it oh me neither I like the sound of the records and the sound of the bands really Oh, that's what drew my attention to. Yeah, that. me too. And I, I would never, I was never into any of the really hardcore stuff. Um, and when I listen back at the stuff now, a lot of it actually sounds really pop to me. You it know, is, it's, it is pop. Yeah, it's it's very. Um, the Go Go's took total advantage. Yeah, but of it. even like X, it's funny. I hadn't listened to X in a really long time, yeah. so I played their first four albums yesterday. And um, you played to four, me, you played, I played the first four. Yeah, oh, I played all oh, oh. four of them. And it sounded so pop to me now, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, um, I mean, it still has some edge to it. I don't mean that in a, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. the monkey's pop, but it's, you know, it's got riffs and, you know, Mm. it's um, very catchy. It is catchy. Um, Yeah, so. X, in a way, is like a perfect band, technically. Uh Uh-huh. Because you have the good-looking bass player, singer, John Doe, you have Mm -hmm. Xene, and those two are like sort of the the sort of the wild ones in the band. They're kind right. of the praise, you know, they're the writers, they're the beats, you know, the like Charles Bukowski yes. loving yeah. Venice Beyond Broke out there individuals. And then you have uh, Billy Zoom, mm-hmm. who's basically, and I'm saying basically not as an insult, but a rockabilly guitarist. Yeah. And I got the you got the impression like you know I'm here to play rockabilly. I'm going to play rockabilly no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like even listen to the lyrics or singing. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just sits, he just stands there, smiles, and just, you know, rocks. That's his job. And then the drummer, who's a great drummer, mm-hmm. I think. You know, he's an incredible drummer. Yeah. So there's, so to, in my mind, Zoom, you know, usually you think the rhythm section is like super important, but in mm-hmm. my mind, the importance of X mm-hmm. really 
is Billy and uh, DJ, mm. the drummer. Mm. I think it's because they're so uniquely strong in their sound. Yeah. They're like the foundation. Well, and, it's uh, interesting because they both have strong musical backgrounds because I watched a documentary mm. about X the other day, and I didn't realize that um, Billy Zoom, they had a clip of him playing jazz clarinet. Uh-huh. And his father was a musician and played with Django Reinhardt. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, wow. Okay. And then, like, they were showing an interview with DJ Bonebreak, and he's, like, playing xylophone and, you know, like, referencing Lionel Hampton. And, yeah. you know, it's just, um, they're both uh, very well-trained musicians. That so I they think have that's a, sp- a fallacy of punk rock that, you yes. know, people don't really know how to play their instruments. No, when, and no. Actually, X, a lot of them do. And X is, to me, always struck me as a very musically They're strong, very accomplished, co- yeah. accomplished musician. Yeah, yeah. you know, again, I always got the feeling more that they carry John and Xene. Right. They're the foundation. Like, right. We got this covered. You guys do what you do. I'm right, well, you need doing. to, yeah, they're, you know, you need to have the front of the band, you yeah. know, the showcase, the way, you know, the ones that dance around and look cool. And then you yeah. need to have that sort of, you yes. know. <laughs> Structure underneath. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> back of you guys, dress really cool and smile and yeah. play rock and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I like about X the most. Hey, Truth. I like. I like Billy Zoom and the drummer DJ. Yeah. To me, that's what I. That's that's my what I find appealing about X. Yeah. I'm not a huge X fan yeah. because I think I'm not really into at the time. I mean, I can appreciate like the whole Bukowski romance, mm-hmm. L.A bar culture and they met at your old stomping ground yeah beyond, beyond broke. broke yes yes i'll probably be kicked out of venice now <laughs> for trashing them <laughs> yes i'm doing an event there shortly so I'll probably, oh no okay i'm gonna cancel it <laughs> but um i feel you know i it just it, it's a sense of like vision i mean they had definitely have vision well they were super cool looking that's for sure yeah they're a good looking band they're yeah good looking. yeah and they look good yeah. But, the, the, but I mean, not just physically. I mean, they had great style. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thing, I mean, Exine is iconic. Yeah, thing, yeah. No, and, she's and, and amazing. Rightfully so. Yeah. But, um, um, but again, it was the Billy, it was the Billy Zoom, the yeah. Rockabilly thing that really appealed yeah. to me about X. I like that aspect of X. Yeah. That's what kept me interested in yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that Rockabilly aspect was underlying a lot of the scene mm-hmm. at the time because the book also gets a lot into how violent the scene eventually became with all the really hardcore bands coming up, especially like from Orange County. Yeah. Um, for people not in L.A., Orange County is usually sort of aligned with more right-wing types. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, that's been changing lately, thank God. But um, so, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people said that that's when the scene sort of started to splinter and started, They some people were calling it neo-rockabilly, but that's when it got more into all these other different kinds of music because yeah. people were so turned off of what the punk scene became, especially a lot of the women writers were just like, yeah, they're not going to any I lost shows. interest totally into that Orange County yeah, black flag thing. Yeah. And, and it's not an insult to Black Flag or those bands. It's just that I... It, That's not your scene. It no, wasn't my, mine either. It, it was, it, that was yeah. not my interest at all. Well, the thing is, you know, I mean, for you and me, we're both really into the music. And mm-hmm. I think what appealed to a lot of the people that were into the hardcore scene wasn't the music. And that's what mm-hmm. came up a lot in the book, especially the... Um, uh, TSL, TSOL guy, Jack Grisham, whose chapter kind of repulsed me. And at the same time, I actually thought it was a really good chapter mm-hmm. because he, it was so palpable, his feelings at the time, you know, I mean, he was just clearly like the epitome of an mm-hmm. angry young white guy, you know, mm-hmm. who just had it out for the world. And he even says, he says, uh, for me, it was never about the music. It was about the pathway of letting go. 
So, um, you know, it's just it, the music for that hardcore scene for most people wasn't really the most well, the important spectacle. part. You know, it, yeah, it was just a release. It was a yeah. place to go and have a release, yeah. which, you know, has its place, but that was never sort of my thing and not your thing. For me, my favorite piece in this book, because I relate to it most personal, is, uh-huh. do you, can you guess? Uh, well, you've already told me, so. <laughs> <laughs> the cute girl. <laughs> Nothing goes with being cute. We're talking about Jane Weedon. Yes, of yes. The Go-Go's. She yeah. wrote a really interesting uh, uh, essay about um, the origins of the Go-Go's, but her life as yeah. a Go-Go, before a Go-Go. And she went to Tap High School, which I went to Tap High School. Yeah. And she must have been like, I must have missed her like by a year or something. Yeah. But she, her description of Tap High School is really on the money. Because <laughs> she talks about like hanging out, the glam kids. There, right. There was a glam, this is like when she was a glam kid. Yeah. And there is a glam, they do bring up aspects of the glam culture in this book. Oh yeah, a lot of the kids yeah. came from that. Glam, yeah. So, like, so um, um, Jane talks about hanging out the staircase at Tap High School, <laughs> going to Rodney, being her yeah. first club. She got sexually assaulted there. Yeah. And, um, uh, which, which is no surprise to me. Yeah. And um, yeah, her writing was really, I, her writing was very true and very accurate. Yeah. Therefore, there's another thing that slightly dip, uh, I was disappointed with. I wish there were like actually there's, there's actually like four or five full length books in this book. I can't right, believe. right. And I feel like the Christie, uh, the Chris Morris piece, which I like the Chris Morris piece a lot, mm-hmm. and I like I love Jane's uh, work a lot, mm-hmm. and um, and Christy McKenna. Right. And I think I know that this is off the top of my head. There, you know, there's others. Yeah. But I wish they each wrote a, like a book about this era. Yeah. And I feel they were, this book is in many ways they're constrained by the space, time, how many words they could yeah. issue, you know. Yeah. And um, if I was the editor, I would probably actually try to bring more, uh, feature more, um, I would try to actually put out more books on the subject matter. Well, Maybe, there's a second volume that I know, just came out. I have, we, have, we have not read it. No. And I will read this for, you know. I want to read it because that's more my era. Right. So and I'm curious about your era. Yeah. Well, it's yours too. You were, you and I went to a lot of those shows together. Oh, I have no memory. Was I there? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm guessing you were. I'm sure we went and saw Blood on the Saddle together. <laughs> I've never seen Blood on the Saddle. No. Are you kidding me? I'm sure you must have. But better yet, I worked with Annette. I know. You know her. Yeah. I know her. I worked with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she's touring with the Bengals. I know. <laughs> I wish I had something to do with her career, but I had nothing. <laughs> she did it all herself. She's a great person. But um, yeah, so like, it's it, there's actually so many. Los Angeles is always a fascinating city. Is other cities? Yeah. But, but I could see like a whole chain memoir book, or just yeah. her focusing on the go-go years, and maybe she will do I'm that. I'm sure the go-go's have quite a lot of stories that yeah. the Go-Go's could definitely do a book for sure. They definitely could do a book. And yeah. then, you know, and all the other guys who and, and girls who, and, and, and Alice Bag is interesting. Yeah. Oh, and then the whole Latino thing is unique in yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah, that's another part. And I remember yeah. those bands, like the Plugs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Zeros, mm-hmm. and of course Los Lobos yeah. um, were very prominent um, yeah. Los Angeles bands at yeah. that time. 
Yeah. Although it was interesting, you know, as I was reading the book, especially when the first part, because they don't sort of really start talking about the Latin influence until maybe halfway through the book or even later. And I'm kind of thinking, boy, these are, this is such a white scene, you know. (laughs) Um, And then even like John Doe sort of introduces the, you know, the Latin, the importance of the Latin influence and how the kids started going to East LA to club. And, but even then it's still, um, uh, Elvez, uh, Robert mm-hmm. Lopez says, uh, I pulled his quote, where is it? He said something about uh, that he was always referred to Mexican as a Mexican. Yeah. Like he just could never get past being identified that way, no yeah. matter what he was I doing. En- I enjoyed his essay greatly. Yeah, as well. I did too. I thought it was very it was a really good. strong essay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he was a total outsider, or yeah. he felt like an outsider. Right. But I mean, it was just interesting to me that, you know, John Doe is kind of like saying, yeah, yeah, we were all integrated, and then, and then, you know, it's like, well. See, this is the problem I have with the John Doe pieces. <laughs> yeah. It seemed too much like, almost like a, um, um, all surface, but no Yeah, depth. yeah, I, I agree. I really would It's all like liked... slogans that he sort of, yeah. this, it's almost like. Bruce Springsteen, like, we're born in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, Elvez brings up an interesting little side note. Huh. He talks about going to, uh, uh, to uh, where, where did men go to exercise and stuff? Oh, right. It was like the YMCA. YMCA. Yeah, yeah. And he runs into, you can tell the story, yeah. Well, he runs into Bruce yeah, Springsteen in the yeah, shower. Yeah, that's hysterical. Before Bruce was huge, right? Yes. Although he was moderately big already, I think, just not like I think huge. he was big, yeah. I mean, he was before born in the USA. They told him, that he told them not, not to tell yeah, anybody. Yeah, not to tell anybody, yeah. I wonder what that's about. I <laughs> <laughs> think there's more to that story? <laughs> I definitely do. I definitely think there's you more to that story. You imagination, Tosh. <laughs> I don't think it's imagination. <laughs> I don't make the imagination. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, we'll have to read the next one at some point uh, down Volume the line. Volume two. Yes, volume two, which okay. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And um, our next episode, we are going to do something slightly different. We are going to be reading a work of fiction. Slightly different. Yes, it's actually quite a bit different. It's hugely it's pretty, different. Pretty heavy duty work. Are we going to announce what it is? Yes, yes, yes. We've already announced it on on Facebook. Oh, we did? uh, I will say it again here for people who Uh don't follow us on Facebook. But uh, we're reading Thomas Mann's Dr. Faustus. And um, it's a dense book. A lot going on. We're probably going to focus on uh, the music part of it because there's just way too much to discuss. It's a a huge... There's a huge music connotation yes well i think uh, you know it's a lot of it is about the importance of the arts uh-huh. in society and politically and so i think that's probably what we'll focus on what do you th- what do you think tom's mom would think of la punk rock <laughs> you think it'd be that's into it that's an interesting question you know he lived here so why not i think he's sort of a decadent guy you know definitely he's definitely a decadent guy <laughs> i don't know i think he'd be into the go-go's not in a sexual sense but <laughs> Thomas Mann would like to party with the goat. All right, I think we've definitely enticed people to come back for our next episode after that. That was a good teaser, Tosh. All right, well, um, you can find out what we're up to on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, where we are going to be setting up um, discussion groups for our books, so please do read along and we're join looking, us. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, we'd love to get some feedback. And we're on Instagram, and we will see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>